1: Here is your host, the loudest conservative voice in America fighting the enemies of freedom, Mark Walters. Walter. Walter, Walters. Welcome inside Armed American
0: Radio's Daily Defense. The six-hour studios are fired up for you. Bright, lit up, bright, too. It's really nice in the studio building today on the Fort Worth Armory Platinum microphone for you, all of it being presented to you today and every day by the great X-Insurance. Andy Hoosier joined us in the first hour. He's a lot of fun to have on. Uh, Greg in Dallas, isn't Andy fun? Oh, yeah, always. It's so fun. Ladies and gentlemen, I know it's hard to understand. Every time Andy's on, I, I crack up when he opens his mouth because he's in the studio at KQAM, and the the tools that he's using to connect to our network in Dallas make him sound in my headsets like he is literally next to me. Yeah, it's a great Which uh, is connection. something you don't get on radio that often. Usually it's a phone call coming. You can tell it's somebody that's a guest, right? But with Andy, it's like he's sitting right there. Yep. And it's, it is the weirdest thing. It's like we're all three of us are sitting at the same table. It is like we're sitting at your... Studio in Dallas, yep. all three mics right there together. It's exactly what it's like. And it's really fun. And that's just the modern technology is really something I can remember when, you know, doing stuff like this just wasn't possible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you had to use you had to. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you had to go back to basics. I mean, there have been times on this broadcast where, you know, with technology, it's great, but it can also break. <laughs> okay. And when it does break, I, I, we've done the show before, maybe a handful of times over 14 or 15 years, I think maybe three that I can recall, where I've had to call the studio
2: yeah, on a phone, mm-hmm. right? Do you recall? Uh-huh. Well, and we've had to set that up as a backup. I don't remember how this show initially started connecting to us, because I haven't been around with the show that long. But, I, I mean, we used to have ISDN units, which meant that... You know, and if they you were went great. To, yeah, if you went to a station and used their ISDN unit, perfect. But if you had one yep. in your house that was a lot of money. And they were not cheap to have. They were like phone lines essentially, but they were far clearer. They were called T one lines. So that you would have a great, outstanding, clear connection to the studios that you were connecting up to or to the network you were connecting with. And since then, I mean, technology has just evolved and evolved. And what Andy connects to us on is a great field reporter type of device mm-hmm. where it's, you know, you're just running essentially your voice. You're not producing a lot of audio or video or even having a bunch of news sources opened up. Uh, but, you know, with the device that you use is really great because it comes in crisp and clear and it buffers and it accounts for packet drops and all that kind of stuff. And uh, for those that just don't get to see and know about the technology behind the scenes, broadcast uh, technology has really made great leaps and bounds in just for the last two to four years. Ab- absolutely. And, uh, you know, I used to come in from uh, we used to when
0: we first started the program, we used to bring the program to you from AM 920. The answer. Yep. Uh, in uh, downtown Atlanta. And if you recall. And Greg, you might not been a long time, but long time listeners remember coming to you the, the great booming voice of john young right okay coming to you from the from atlanta georgia you know in the a m from a m nine twenty you know that kind of thing and it was a lot of fun, but those isdn lines were uh were powerful and to try to get one in a home studio was at the time, prohibitively expensive. Yes. But, but those ISDNs, I'd go back to those in two seconds flat. They're so much better than Internet. They just are. It's like a pipeline directly from me to you, and nothing can bang its way into that pipe. It's you. It's not like Internet where if you're using – we're not using public Internet here. We have a different setup. Dedicated. But there's a, a lot plans. of – it's all dedicated stuff, but there's you – know, you're still on the Internet. Yep. And things can go wrong from time to time. It's infrequent, but when it does, you know – it can be catastrophic. It goes out just like that. But when we have Andy on, it's just a lot of fun. That's how do we get going on it? Just by talking about how it's, <laughs> you know, it's radio, really fun when Andy's on the show. He's like, there. Radio sausage. Here we go. Yeah, and yeah the, radio sausage live on the mic. Sorry, I don't mean to be wasting your time. Right and, itself, and, was here,
2: let's waste a little more time. And the thing about it is, is those ISDN lines are expensive. If I remember mm-hmm. correctly, and we got rid of all of ours about six, seven years ago, uh, they were like around thirty grand a line. And we had T1s. Those were the T1s. And that was ATT used to have them. And that was for a yearly cost. And we had like seven or eight of those in this building, uh, or at least on this floor. So it was incredibly prohibitive to have those, uh, you know, after so long when the technology just got so easy and cheap, you know, to where you can connect up, still have the same quality. Yeah, you might have a drop every now and then, but hey, we'll work through it. it. It happens, we'll move on. The equipment we use in here is the
0: size of a Nerf football. Yep. With a mixer attached to it. Literally, it's the size of a Nerf football. You can put it in a backpack with a microphone. And I have broadcasted from remote locations all over the country. Sitting outside. One of my favorite places was to sit outside in Scottsdale, Arizona, at the Hyatt House. On their back deck, they have a bunch of grill. We used to grill while armed, while doing the Sunday broadcast, out by the pool, at the hotel, at the Hyatt House. And it was a lot of fun. And there were always people walking up going, hey, I'm from Seattle. A lot of golfers would come in, you know, and they'd sit out and watch the show. Oh, man, I, I listened to you in Seattle. Oh, what are you doing here? And you're just, you know, the equipment's so portable now. It's so fun. Yep. But anyway, I guess we should get to gun stuff. So we, on that note, alleged burglar found in pool of blood after a homeowner opens fire. What a great place to go after some radio sausage, right? Hey, a happy ending story. It is a happy ending story. But what happened here? <laughs> if you're going to be dumb, don't be dumb in Texas. Isn't that what AWR uh, says, Greg?
2: It sure is. Let me see if I can find AWR saying Here you go Look, if
3: you're
0: going to be dumb,
3: don't be dumb in Texas. It's a bad state to be dumb in. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: well, uh, Jason Omar Cruz was dumb. Uh-oh. Yeah, uh, a responding officer. we got a phone call. Somebody's breaking in my home. What's? Well, tell me what's going on. Well, I shot him. Responding cops got there and found him on the bathroom floor in a pool of blood. And the cop was able to put a tourniquet on him and stop the bleeding. He's going to survive. But he's got a hundred thousand dollar bond now. And he's being held at uh, Jefferson County Jail. uh, Once he's released from the hospital, he's still in the hospital, but he got shot pretty good. And if AWR were on the program, he would tell us, note to mom, he will not be home for dinner or something along those lines
1: you note know tomorrow yeah, we well, to will work. not be home for dinner and uh, that's it so moving on
0: that's AWR Hawkins and there's another one that he has about that too and that is uh he just went to work and that's it oh, that's yeah. what the second he went amendment to work is and all that's that. see there they are that's the second amendment in action ladies and gentlemen and it happens hundreds of times a day if not thousands of times a day that law abiding citizens use their firearms to defend themselves Every single day. Now, just for fun, before we go to the break, you know, I have some quotes. You know, I'm reading the book, John Adams, right?
2: I told you that. Uh, I guess not. I might have missed that.
0: No, I've told you before. I tell you, I'm 200 pages oh, you know into what? the 700 page book. Remember? Yeah. You told me during the break. Well, I'm also reading 1776 by the same author, and I'm reading them at the same time. So I've got about 1,200 pages. Wow. But it is, these are the type of books that when I read for the first and second time, I read every word, and I stop and read the footnotes, everything. I don't miss, I don't skip anything, okay? They fascinate me. John Adams, the right of the citizens to keep and bear arms has justly been considered as the palladium of the liberties of a republic since it offers a strong moral check against the usurpation and arbitrary power of rulers and will generally, even if these are successful in the first instance, enable the people to resist and triumph over them. That was John Adams in 1788. 1788. Mm. Hmm. So when you hear quotes like that, when you hear people like David Hogg tell you that, our founders couldn't even envision this. You know what the founders would have said? Give me all those guns. Yep. We need all those guns. What do you mean you're, no, you're not taking those? We wrote the damn thing. And we know why we wrote it. So when you get this beauty like this uh, Jason Omar Cruz, think about that for a second. To suppose arms in the hands of citizens to be used at individual discretion, except in private self defense or by partial orders of towns, counties, or districts of a state, is to demolish every constitution and lay the laws prostrate so that liberty can be enjoyed by no man. It is dissolution of the government. The fundamental law of the militia is that it be created, directed, and commanded by the laws and ever for the support of the laws. John Adams, 1765. Arms in the hands of individual citizens may be used at individual discretion for the defense of the country, the overthrow of tyranny, or in private self-defense. John Adams, 1775. So the next time you read some stupid tweet by some idiot named David Hogg that tells you what the founders would be thinking today... Maybe rethink what David Hogg is telling you and have some fun in your reply tweet. You can find those quotes, they're all over the place. Armed American Radio's Daily Defense will be back right after this.
1: I hate the left.
0: Oh, take a listen to this guys.
1: Sister Studios Throwback on American Radio Radio. Educating, informing, and entertaining responsibly armed Americans for eight years running, from the safest studio in the nation, and filling your prescription for freedom in hundreds of cities. Here is Mark Walters. Walters.
0: Oh, Greg, a little bit of nostalgia (laughs) there, huh? Just a little. Oh, eight years running. Did you notice what they said on that intro? And I believe that was John Young and not Peter Reif. Yeah, it sounds like it. They did it. You know, I got in the elevator with him one time and didn't know it. I was over at AM 920 in Atlanta. AM 920, you're listening right now. Delayed broadcast, but you're listening today. And I'll never forget this. I I got in the elevator, and as I was coming down from the seventh floor where the studios were, uh, older gentleman in the studios I mean, He must have Because the elevator was coming down There's only an 8th floor there So he was coming down From the 8th floor Doors open on the 7th floor I walked in And guy says Oh how you doing And I go You're that guy You're that guy That does You're that guy He goes John Young How are you I'm like Dude I'm Mark Walters He goes Oh I love doing your intros so he's, he had been doing the intros for years and years and years. Oh, that's cool. And loved John. Yeah, but when I first heard him, when I heard his voice when in the elevator, all he said was hello to me. And I'm like, oh, you're heck guy. <laughs> I know you. You're the guy that does my intro. He goes, Oh, I'm John Young." I'm like, "Dude, you're the real deal." You it's know?
2: amazing how sometimes the the package never fits the voice, and so when <laughs> when when you see some guy walk by and you're like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" And then you hear the voice like, "Oh, hey, you're my voiceover guy." <laughs> That's you. Well, you know, I, I I use this as an
0: example before. I used to listen to Howard Stern when I lived in when I was a kid in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Same, and he was broadcasting from Detroit. He was just get his career was just getting started. <sighs> And he was just starting to get edgy. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was on like CKLW or something like that. I could be wrong on the yeah.
2: Calls, I don't remember the letters. He he got his start out there
0: in Detroit before he moved on and all that stuff. And I had never seen him before. And I remember seeing him for the first time. I'm like, that's him. Yeah. No. Uh-huh. He's kind of turned me off. I really never listened to him again after that. But that skinny I mean, dorky guy. Oh, I get it from people all the time. Wow, you look so different than I thought you would look. I'm like, yeah, that's why I don't generally show my face. Not when you get out on
2: video, people know who you are. It's no shock to them.
0: It's funny. But um, some people, they have this vision of you, you know, because they hear your voice over all the years.
2: I I got that, actually, from Lee Williams when all of y'all were in studio for uh, GPRC Uh, back in September. He's like, he certainly didn't look how I expected him after hearing me. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you know, Lee's got hair down to his back, you know, middle of his back. Yep. Where's it in a big ponytail and stuff. Well, Lee you know, didn't think he's a think, big guy. Lee didn't think I looked the way I did, judging by my <laughs> voice also. <laughs> hey, well, we ended that uh, previous. Uh, that's a great intro, by the way. I, I enjoyed that. The music was good. John Young was good. a very powerful voice. But he and Peter just both do great work. Uh, let's uh, let's. So I, I ended with John Adams quotes, right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, here's one from somebody that you might recognize. Not not. Uh, maybe you will. Maybe you won't recognize the name. But this person said this firearms stand next in importance to the Constitution itself. They are the American people's liberty teeth and keystone under independence. That was George Washington, somebody you might recognize in a letter to George Mason that was dated April 5th, 1769. And then later on, George Washington would say this, the very atmosphere of firearms anywhere and everywhere restrains evil interference. They deserve a place of honor with all that's good, that was George Washington's address to the second session of the first Congress on January seventh, seventeen ninety. Here's a
2: guy who knows a little bit about keeping and bearing arms. You know, and that statement almost makes me think that they, um, at some point, because we don't we don't really hear about this, we don't know about it a lot. That at some point they were facing problems like we do in today's society with just spontaneous people showing up and shooting other people, and uh, you know uh, just random shootings in public places, and with him saying that firearms everywhere is a good thing, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, uh, is it just kind of leads me to think that this has been a problem in eternity, and I'm willing to bet every country that's had firearms has had a problem with people enacting revenge or enacting uh, acts of violence against people they were politically against or had some kind of other uh, kind of connection between them and the two. And everybody obviously is outraged, but typically because there's a lot of people standing around with muskets or with uh, uh, what would have been sidearms back then, then, you know, they handle the business and then go on about their day because they just had trial in the street. Yeah, you know, uh, there were bad people
0: always. Yep, since turn There have always been bad people since the dawn of man. And hence, man has had the right, the inherent right to defend themselves from bad people. Men are evil. There's there's evil here. It's real. It lurks in your neighborhood, it lurked in their neighborhoods, and it lurked in their forefathers' neighborhoods, and theirs before it, and theirs before it. And if you go back and you look at the tools over history that people used for punishment or self-defense, they were
2: vicious. The Spanish Inquisition was just horrific. Vicious. I mean, Dude, vicious. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I
0: mean, you know, like a guillotine comes to mind. Okay. Gallows. Holy crap. They're going to lay me in that. You, there ain't no getting out of this thing. And the next thing you know, your head's in a bucket, right? Mm-hmm. No, nah, but I mean, you look at individual uh, individual weapons, dating back Romans, uh, were just, uh, just absolutely brutal. Combat and, and warfare at that time was just absolutely brutal. Firearms were like, you know, merciful the time they were invented. And they've been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, just think. Beretta's over 550 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Think about people being drawn and
2: quartered. That
0: was a regular thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, our founding fathers knew a little bit about what they were talking about. And and there's something that you never hear discussed. When you hear somebody like David Hogg, the moron, who now is two days removed from his graduation from Harvard, we all know why he got into Harvard. Mm Mm-hmm. It certainly wasn't as smarts or as looks, but and as evidenced by the stupid things he says, which is remarkable, <laughs> quite frankly. But nonetheless, when you hear somebody like David Hogg say, our founders couldn't have envisioned this, that and the other thing. But then you go and you read their words. You have to wonder, you know, because many of our founders, with the exception of, you know, Benjamin Franklin, who was in his 70s. He was the elder statesman at the time. Uh, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, late twenties into early thirties, when all the fun stuff was going on. All right, John Adams, late into his thirties, cetera. These were still young men. They were around long after America achieved independence. And you think if they'd made a mistake, they would have gone back and said, hmm, "Well, you know, that's not what we meant by the Second Amendment. Uh-uh, uh-uh. We need to rethink that." It didn't happen they knew exactly what they put in there and why they put it in there and it's interesting you never hear any you never hear anybody talk about it in those sense in that sense i've often found that rather interesting myself and see how we go down these roads we we, you know you give a few quotes from some of our great founders and it's really good ladies and gentlemen i just have to tell you if you've never read those books i'm on my second reading on 1776 by david mccall and every time i read these things you find more and more it's a fantastic march through history We know what happened. We have all of the written records and documentation. We even know what the weather was like on a particular day when they convened. We knew there was a thunderstorm. It's fascinating to read. It really truly is. Make sure to check them out. David McAuliffe's got some pretty good stuff out there. John Adams and 1776, both huge national bestsellers. And you will learn a lot about your country. Believe me, make your kids read this stuff. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Two more segments left. another one. Take a listen to
4: this, guys.
1: This is Armed American Radio.
6: It doesn't help to have guns owned by only good people because bad people still get
1: them. Yeah, that's exactly why we need it. Now, back to the man defending your Second Amendment rights, Mark Walters.
2: Oh, that's just fun to listen to. I didn't realize you had Stewie Griffin doing your voiceovers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I forget who that is. I don't know I don't remember it's it's one of the English blokes I did an interview with one time oh okay yeah I don't know yeah we just went ahead and grabbed the clip he tried to beat me up on the airwaves and he failed so we went <laughs> ahead and played we, we went ahead and played with it because it was just another victory and that was just another slap in the face But that was fun, that's fun stuff that's going back away in fact uh golly that was uh shoot I don't even remember that's been years ago. So we're getting nostalgic in this second hour. I I guess if you go back to the founding, that's nostalgic
2: too, right? Yeah, sure. It's fun to do this every now and then as a radio show has been around for 15 years. Sometimes it's cool to bring up all the old beds and some of the rejoiners just to kind of talk about it. Because, I mean, what are we doing? We're doing radio here. Let's have a little fun. And I'll tell you,
0: if I can pull up the old Nugent intros, the originals, I still have those.
2: I have them too. I just can't seem to find them. They're they're somewhere here in one of my they're buried. Uh, they're yeah. buried there. I mean, I've got every show
0: on a uh, on an Amazon web KDP. Every show from day 1 we have. I've got every file. I still continue to pay to maintain that database. That's a ton of content. Yeah, it's a lot of database too. A it's lot a lot of-, <laughs> of content. Just the Sunday show has been over 600 and I think 50 shows and we've never missed one live show, not yeah. one time. That's wow. remarkable. Wow. That is that is quite the run. Uh, and we're very proud of that. But uh, you go back, and this is, a lot of people ask me, how come we don't have those? You know, we used to run the cult music. Yeah. And I don't even know where all that stuff is. I think we ran, uh, at one point, Matchbox 20, I think, was in there. Of course, the famous intro that made AAR popular and became synonymous with the show was Stranglehold by Ted Nugent. Yep. And it was funny, because I know Ted, and he said, use whatever you have of mine you want. Well, the problem is... You know n- people don't understand Nugent doesn't own those copyrights. Those copyrights are owned by the record companies, et cetera, okay,, yep. or whoever buys and owns that block of music. and when you went digital, now the networks own copyrights, as of course, Salem owns copies. You can play the fair use thirty seconds in one minutes, the bumpers, and all that stuff. But the minute that stuff goes out on the internet, you've got to have the license for that. And a lot of people ask how so it was just easier for us to not run into any headaches to just use royalty-free music. And we found some great royalty-free music that works for us. But it's fun to go back and listen to those, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think i got one here for you. Hold on, let's see if... uh... Let's see. Oh, we're playing Nostalgic. Let's keep going.
0: Oh. Let's see if you remember this band.
2: I think this is just a bed. That is. Uh, I want to say, is that junkyard something? I don't remember I who the artist name. is, but it's a uh, simple man.
0: Yeah, that's how it's yeah, labeled. Simple man, I Art. have it on. I have it on a playlist. Yep. I don't know. I'll Google it up. It says junkyards near me. <laughs> <laughs> junkyard near me. Yeah, I think the band is is uh uh, Simple Man by Junkyard. I was right. got right. some great old stuff, fun stuff. And I, I'm sure there's people in the chat that are digging the, the nostalgia because a lot of you have been listening to the show for many years. That's fun stuff. It really, truly is. All right. Let's, let's have some more fun. Let's go to Dr. John Lott. Now, John is like me. He's like Dave Workman. We're up at all hours of the night. Yeah. And I actually happened to get a pretty good night's sleep last night, but I was up early. And I say by five o'clock. And I was on, today is Tuesday, of course, 2A Tuesday, 97.1 FM, in, uh, with Mark Cox in the morning. A great radio program, The Drive Show in St. Louis. Big audience, big audience for that. And I go on every Tuesday with Mark. And we have a great time on the program, no doubt. So I was up early. So I got up, and I, as I said, I started with two cups of Defender coffee today. That's true. And I was out at the studio, and I was practicing my guitar for a couple hours, some riffs, and picked up some, some great blues riffs. And I thought, man, just be, it's amazing what practice will do for you. You can really get good at doing something if you actually practice at it, ladies and gentlemen. Shocking. There's your public service announcement for the day. Shocking. But all of a sudden, I realized, wow, this is working. And then my alarm went off, and I went, oh, got to be on the radio with Mark Cox. So I went from 6 till 8.35 a.m. Eastern Time Ooh. practicing the guitar and then went on air oh. with Mark Cox in the morning. And it was about five o'clock when I got up that I got a text message from John Lott, who's two hours behind me. And John was awake and he shot me over a couple articles. And one of them was Fox News picked up this morning at 7 a.m. Eastern, which is 5 a.m. So there you go. I'm looking at it right now. So that's 5 a.m. So that's about the time I got the text from Dr. Lott. Firearms expert taunts pro-gun control academics with bet on rising crime. Oh, John is in it, man. Uh (laughs) He is in it to win it. Now, I talked with John shortly after that. As soon as I did my interview, I gave him a call. Clearly, I knew he was up. And I texted him, and I was nice, and I said, hey, are you still awake? And uh, I called him, you know, called him like 30 seconds later, and we talked. I said, this is brilliant. Well, what are we talking about? You go back to Brazil, okay? This is what started this with John. And I'll, let me just quote some of the Fox piece because it's fun. A gun expert is asking academics, that being John Lott, to put their money where their mouths are and bet $1,000 on Brazil as a case study that stricter gun laws won't mean less crime. Now, he reached out to a dozen fellow academics. No one, according to Fox, has taken him up on the bet yet. But some have hit back by calling the challenge a stunt and saying they will put cash up if the terms meet their requirements. In other words, I don't think so, because Fox actually called them for requests of information. You know, hey, talk to us about this. Four or five didn't respond. And the ones that did all came back in typical lefty fashion. Well, only if it's on my terms. And I go back to when I used to, to hit uh, old Arthur C. Hayhoe. God rest his soul. Arthur was a fair combatant. He was. I always had good conversations with him while we were diametrically opposed. And I, on several times, offered to debate him on local television news about gun control. And he would not touch it unless he said we st- it had to be on his terms. And that was, we have to stick, for, we stick to the Constitution and the ratification of the Second Amendment and the Bill of Rights. He didn't want to talk about gun control. He, why, why could he do that? Why did he want to do that? So he could go out and throw comments around like David Hogg does. The founders wouldn't ever have. How does he know what they would have wanted? Yeah. We have their own words. We just read them. And by reading his own words, I could probably convince a jury easily that, well, yeah, uh, they would have. Okay? But that's the way these guys operate. No one's taking him up on the bet yet. So what what about the bet? Well, (laughs) he's bet a thousand bucks he's offering anybody a thousand dollars and it's picked up by Fox News. He reached out to twelve academics in the US earlier this year with a proposal, a one thousand dollar bet on whether the homicide rate would increase in Brazil under Lula and his administration's gun ownership crackdown, because if you remember the former president was it Bolsonaro, I think? Correct. Yes. Made it really easy for for citizens to get guns because of the horrific crime rates in Brazil. And what happened? Crime dropped over 34 percent. And here's what John said. Here's what I offer you. Let's bet a thousand dollars and make it simple on whether the homicide rate in Brazil will go up or down during the first two years of Louis presidency. If the homicide rate goes down from what it was in 2022, I will pay you one thousand bucks. If it goes up, you will pay me one thousand bucks. If you prefer, we can designate charities that we want the money to go to. Given the importance you put on gun control and the large percentage change in gun ownership that Lula is imposing, you should expect a substantial drop in homicides. But as I say, let's keep it simple on whether the homicide rate goes up or down. So what happened is John published an op-ed about the bet on the Federalists last week, which I saw. And that's, where, that's why I told you in the previous hour, we're talking with John Lott this coming weekend on the Monster MonsterCast. I, he was okay to tape a couple segments today, but I want him to get that bigger audience on Sunday to talk about this. This is worthy. So we're going to bring John on on Sunday to discuss this. When we come back from the break, I'll tell you a little bit more about it, because it's just fun. John is putting his money where his mouth is because he knows what's going to happen. And the response from the 12 academics... This is actually what you would expect. Uh-uh. Only on my terms. Let me rechange the bet. Let's do what liberals do. Let's change the rules and move the goalposts. We'll be right back.
3: This Segment of Armed American Radio's Daily Defense is being brought to you by Daniel Defense. Visit danieldefense.com.
0: Now back to the show. Ah, back to the show. It's been a fun, been a fun hour. I have had fun uh going back in time when we found some of those some of those old intros and stuff. Greg in Dallas, Texas here in the 6-hour studios, Fort Worth Armory Mike. All of it brought to you by X Insurance. How's it going today, man? That's going pretty it's good. Final segment already, can you believe it? Yeah, here we are. I see we have some guitarists in the chat. People were hearing me talk about oh, yeah. practice makes perfect, right? And, and that's, that's very true. And I hope my instructor's not listening because he's been listening to the show for about six years. But <laughs> moving from the D chord to the C chord for me is very difficult. Reaching the C chord period, which is tough for a lot of you know, beginner guitarists. Right. It requires a big stretch of the fingers. And it's very tough for me, you know. But I found the cheat, man. I can go right to the CAD nine and we'll right through Sweet Home, Alabama. But if I have to move from D to C, not I'm just Chop it ain't happening. Now I'm just you know I'm gonna keep practicing. I'll get it. I'll get it eventually. But uh, you know, I'll let you know when
2: I'm opening up at the forum.
0: You guys can come and see me. <laughs> okay. There we go.
2: <laughs> gonna have you playing guitar before uh, shot show opening up for yourself. Mm.
0: Yeah, Joe Satriani's going to be opening up for me. Mm, Doubt it. Ooh, (laughs) you think (laughs) so? (laughs) All right, let's go back to John Lott before I get talking about all that fun stuff. Back last week, John published an op-ed in The Federalist, noting that uh, seven—now remember, he put a bet out to 12 fellow academics earlier this year. And he put in his op-ed, he made it public. In last week's Federalist. And well Fox picked it up this morning. So it's got some legs, which is great to see. He published that op-ed in the Federalist, and he noted that seven of the twelve academics didn't respond to his offer at all, while the other five did not take him up on the bet. And here's John's quote about this, this is what I mean, he's in this. I love this, and I can't wait to get him on the program. I was kind of hoping, Greg like you, that it was closer to the weekend. So that I could say We'll have John on the program to discuss this on Sunday, but I didn't want to let this sit and wait. So we mentioned it today and then, you know, a few days will go by and boom, John will come on and maybe he'll know more. Maybe there has been some response, right, that he hasn't yet gotten since Fox picked this up, not just the Federalist. And here's what John had to say. He said these academics have no problem confidently making predictions for the press or legislative committees about the future effects of gun control laws but they aren't willing to put their money where their mouths are in a way that would make people remember their bad predictions. Maybe that's because they already know the crime-fighting benefits of private gun ownership. That's what he wrote in The Federalist, Greg. And I'm going to bet, like John, that they in fact do know, because I'm going to bet you some of the 12 are also gun owners. Statistically speaking, one or two of them would have to be, wouldn't they,
2: Greg, in Dallas? I agree, probably they just don't want to admit it and just like a lot of things they don't want to admit the real facts they want to use the facts that that pushes the agenda they want to well, move sure, their they, own facts they want to move over the facts that would actually enlighten everybody
0: well as i mentioned a couple weeks back it was john adams who coined the phrase facts are stubborn things back in the late 1700s that's where that came from not making that up you can you can look that up yourself but uh, to fox news digital a lot provided some information when uh, questioned by Fox News Digital uh, about some of these people, including, and I quote now, Duke University professor Phil Cook, who told Dr. Lott, and I quote, I like the idea of a bet, but I'm not going to take this one since I have no confidence that guns and ammo will actually become scarcer in the neighborhoods with high rates of violence. In other words, I'm not taking that bet. (laughs) He could have just stopped there. But he didn't. Indiana University's Paul Helmke. Told Dr. Lott, quote, he's not in the practice of making bets. And while it sounds like some interesting developments in Brazil, that's a quote from him. He said he's not familiar enough with the country's data collections and crime issues. There's your plausible deniability, right? Yep. Uh, I haven't looked at that. So there you go. I only look at stuff here in the U.S. and make stuff up. Lott cited Webster's comment to The Washington Post in his op-ed noting that under the Johns Hopkins University professor's prediction, there should have been a 360% increase in homicides in Brazil based on the 600% increase in gun ownership over the former president, over during the former presidency, Bolsonaro, I believe it is. If that were true, an over 600% increase in gun ownership should have resulted in a more than 360% increase in homicides, not a 34% drop. Instead, the researchers attributed the drop to a slight decline In the 12 to 29 age groups, population share and, quote, a decade of investment in policing in some parts of the country, even though murders fell in all but one of the country's 26 states, John Lott wrote. Greg, you can't make this stuff up. It's real. And John puts it out there and nobody wants to take him up on it. The CPRC chief added that before Bolsonaro, it was Bolsonaro, there you go, took office in 2018, quote, the homicide rate stood at 27.8 per 100,000 people, 5.5 times higher than the U.S. rate. Well, how can that be? Let's just stop there for a second. I thought America was so dangerous. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. They don't consider Brazil a what nation? They, see, it's racist what they use. Third, that's third world stuff. We don't compare it to first world stuff. No, those people don't count because they don't fit our agenda. They don't count. So we'll just say that it's, you know, it's a developing nation. It's not like the U S there's no comparison in Mexico. Same thing. But then you know what they do in Mexico, by the way, just cut off on the side. Well it's all cartel violence. That's all. There is no other violence in Mexico. It's just all cartel related, even though there's a ton of it. But they always couch it. They would describe it as something else. In other parts of the world, it's always terrorist attacks. But here, it's just we're just bad, nasty people. The homicide rate stood at 27.8 per 100,000 people, 5.5 times higher than the U.S. rate, before falling to 18.5 in 2021, a rate the country has not seen since the early 1990s. So according to Fox, on John's, on John's bet, a handful of the twelve academics responded to Fox News digital inquiries on the bet, including Stanford University's John Donahue, who said he rebutted lot with previous crime data from Texas in the nineties. I asked him why when Texas prohibited gun carrying for protection, Houston and NYC had the same murder rate in the early 1990s. But when Texas changed to be very permissive towards guns, Houston now has a murder rate three times as high as New York City. John was unwilling to concede that the pro-gun shift had hurt Texas, saying that other factors explain why it has done so poorly relative to New York. But the same would be true for Brazil. Many factors will influence crime in this relatively poor country. See, relatively poor that is, going through a politically and economically turbulent time. Um, Greg, I could argue that we're going through a politically and economically turbulent time, couldn't I? Um, absolutely. Oh, but wait, we're not, we're not the relatively poor country. No. So that doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't fit the narrative here. So let's not use that. So we're going to talk with John about this on Sunday's Monster Cast, And I can promise you it is likely going to be one of the funnest conversations we've had with John in a long time. All right. And one of the other ones said, I, for one, do not make predictions about the future rates of violence or gun violence in the course of my lifetime. I've seen huge swings. These are all the people who won't take him up on his legitimate, his legitimate bet. Interesting to see some. And I'll call them what they are. They're excuses from people who just simply don't want to because they know they're going to be proven wrong. It's that simple. Armed American Radio's Daily Defense. Fun show today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you, and I know Greg did as well. And a big thanks to Andy Hoosier, the voice of reason. We are going to get up and do this again tomorrow precisely because they don't want me to. That's why we do it every single day. So we'll leave you with this thought. Carry on, carry off, and carry absolutely everywhere. Never, ever, ever leave your cave without your club. No self-respecting caveman, whatever. Do it. Enjoy your day. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow.